Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. Kaiju. Giant monster movies are one of the more interesting forms of science fiction for me, personally. And though popularly believed to have started with uh, Gojira, or Godzilla, in the 1950s, they actually go further than that. They go all the way back to the 30s, uh, with a couple of films made in Japan, with King Kong as the focus. The most famous of these, in a lost film, all these are lost. A lot of Japanese films pre-World War II are gone because they were destroyed during World War II. This is a shame, but it happens. So here, King Kong appears in Edo, which is the earlier name for Tokyo, was a big deal. And there's a few, I think all they have left is a couple of photos and a poster. That's all that's left of the film. That's one of the things I really wish would be found again. Because there is so much rich history to be sort of delved into at that point. So, kaiju films, there is a tradition of giant monsters in nearly every culture, Japan being no exception. And in Japan, there's also a tradition of sentient animals. Not just, you know, giant, big-sized monsters, but also animals that are large and they have expression and emotion and connection. And there are also animals small. There's the Tanuki tradition, actually, sort of falls into that category. Uh, there are lots of sort of sea monsters that supposedly have characteristics we would apply to humans and emotion. So it makes sense that once King Kong came out, and it was popular around the world, not just in the U.S., but once that happened, that countries that had these traditions would start to make their own versions of them. And the kaiju, as we understand it, really did start after World War II. Godzilla is the best example of that. And often the destructive force, so, you know, Godzilla, is not just a monster, but it's a monster that represents typically America, or the West in general, because of our promotion of nuclear, because I went to public school, it's nuclear, weapons. And a lot of popular culture in Japan during the 1950s was directly in reference to the American occupation to dropping the bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So it's the idea that they were attacked and they have to now rise up, at least symbolically, and defeat America. Nowhere is this more apparent than in professional wrestling. A Japanese professional wrestling, which came up, it started much like kaiju, uh, there were tours in the 20s and 30s, sort of died out, there was that whole war thing. 
And then in the 50s, with the rise of television, it came back. And it was always a Japanese wrestler, like uh, Ricky Dozan, up against an American wrestler as sort of the big card. And that would be the, the star attraction. And Ricky Dozan almost always won. Or at least had some measure of victory. <coughs> and you see that in the kaiju films. It was Japan defeated Godzilla. Godzilla was created because of the testing that the West was doing. It is a direct manifestation of nuclear testing, the bombing of islands, and so forth, which is a direct call against the U.S., really. Because that's what we were doing. Enter Mothra. So, Godzilla, or Gojira, represents the destructive force that is America, really. But Mothra is almost the opposite. Mothra is the an ancient defender of people and humans. So, let me talk about the plot a little bit, because it is a touch strange. Basically, the idea is that there's an expedition expedition out to this island where the promoter guy, the entrepreneur, is trying to exploit the islanders is probably the best word, to turn them into a sort of, I want to say sideshow act, but that's not entirely correct. Uh... And Zyland has been irradiated by atomic testing. And so Infant Island is sort of the island that they all go to. And everyone in the party gets sick. And what's fascinating is that the... The ancient gods of this native culture on this island rise to the support of their people. And there's a a basic, what do you call it? I guess you'd say... a creature that has been on the island that is mutated, of course, because of the nuclear testing. Now, when they're there, they find two women who are tiny, one-foot-tall women. And... They're brought back with the with the basically the bad guy at the film. 
And there's a thing called the Secret Fairy Show where the girls sing and so forth. And they beseech their god, Mothra, for help. Because they can communicate with Mothra, who is a giant egg at this point. And all sorts of fun happens. Basically, what ends up happening is Mothra arrives on the mainland, as much as the mainland as you can call Japan, and he attacks. Sort of. It's it's hard to sort of figure. Now, Mothra is the defender of these girls, more or less, and of their people. And Mothra survives. Mothra flies back to his island. Her island, actually, I should say. And we get more, a lot more, with Mothra. What is interesting isn't so much the story, even though it's a little more complex than most of the stories. You can see there's all sorts of parallels to King Kong, to the original Godzilla, to all these sort of films. But what's really interesting is that Mothra is presented as a defender of humans. And a defender of humans who comes after the nuclear testing. And that's really important because... Japan is the only nation on Earth that has been subjected to having an atomic bomb dropped on it. And here we have a monster rising to the defense of Japan. Which is represented by this island, which there's all sorts of complicated things here. Uh, the fairies, uh, the small women, are played by the Peanut Sisters, who were... Uh, singing duo, they have these beautiful voices. They're they're sort of whisper thin and beautiful. I absolutely love it. Uh, what sort of happens is that this film got a lot of praise for one. It's cinematography, which is phenomenal. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the colors alone make it one of the most vibrant of all Toho's films of that period. The effects, of course, are great. Uh, Tsuburaya, who did uh, Godzilla effects, is here and is just wonderful. Of course, there's an American version which cuts out a lot of stuff, but it's still good. It's still viewable. But what's amazing is Mothra led to an entirely new idea in kaiju film. And that is the idea that kaiju are characters, not 
plot elements. Godzilla is a plot element, at least in the first couple films. He is the obstacle that must be overcome. Mothra is, to put a really neat little metaphor on it that I always love to use, is the mysterious stranger riding back into town to help everyone out. And it's an utterly different concept from Godzilla. And it works beautifully. And it's no wonder that Mothra is really the number two kaiju in Japanese Toho film history. You know, you sort of have the big four, which are Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Girdra. But really, Mothra is number two. You can't beat Godzilla. What can you do? Yeah, the plot's a little thin. By, by thin, I mean convoluted. But, amazing amounts of... of just connection happen. We are, in Godzilla, we are meant to fear Godzilla. Here, we are meant to connect with Mothra. In essence, we are the two little girls, the fairies. Who are calling on Mothra to save us. And he does. And that's a major difference in kaiju film at that point. Now, these films got an American release. They became very popular on the creature features and the, uh, the horror host circuits. They've been dubbed at least twice that I know of. One of the dubs is really bad. Uh, it's just, it's a phenomenally impressive film, and in a way that Godzilla isn't. Godzilla's a wonderful film. It's better filmmaking. I would say Mothra is a better kaiju film. Because they have personified the monster in a way that it is a character acting, not an action that is happening to the other characters. And I think that is the utter switch. And it affected all the Toho films after that. Of course, kaiju films have become an American staple now. We have... We could argue that things like Mighty Joe Young and King Kong were kaiju films, but really, the concept took hold most strongly in Cloverfield and then, of course, Pacific Rim. And Pacific Rim is huge. It's a love letter to the kaiju film, and it's done incredibly well. Watch this film, and you'll really understand what kaiju films would become. This is the first modern kaiju film, as far as I'm concerned. Godzilla is a disaster flick. Mothra is a kaiju film. The next one thing we're going to do, La Jete, uh, Chris Marker, a classic that is an avant-garde masterpiece that also informs science fiction in a way that I don't think a lot of people sort of caught on to at first. So stay tuned. <laughs> 